From Potomac Fund Management, this is the Conquer Risk Podcast. Join us as we discuss the business of running an RIA firm and the practice of investment management. And now, our hosts. Welcome to the Conquer Risk Podcast. My name is Manish Kata. As always, well, not as always, but I'm here this week with <laughs> yeah. my business partner, Jeff Goodnow. Uh, for those of uh, you who know us, you know that we do a lot of work for advisors in the 403B space. And so this week we wanted to talk about something that has come up uh, earlier in this year, and that is the lawsuits surrounding uh, the fiduciary responsibility of, of plans in the 403B space. And so I want to take a step back and maybe start with how this all came about. And you and I have spoken about this over the years many times. You know, in 2009, regulations came down that forced 403B plans to have record-keeping requirements similar to that of a 401k. Uh, Discrimination testing, anti-discrimination testing, um, making sure that you keep track of contributions, withdrawals, and not to, you know, uh, have a plan, have an account outside of a plan. Right. And so since then, you know, the plan providers, the Fidelities and the Crefts of the world, you know, it was easy for them to make changes to their plan documents because, well, you know, they manage 401ks across the country. But the actual plan administrators, the schools, hospitals, universities, they were clueless. They, They didn't know what to do. They didn't know how to adjust to this new sort of paradigm of them being a fiduciary, being responsible and so they, I think in hindsight, probably made some mistakes uh, that we'll touch on. Yeah. And so from 2009 to about 2016, as these regulations took place, the plan provi- uh, fiduciaries or the plan uh, administrators just didn't keep pace. And in 2016, a bunch of lawsuits were uh, starting to be filed for major universities across the country. This isn't, you know, small uh, uh, nonprofit plans. These are major, major plans. And so why don't you sort of touch on um, maybe some of the reasons these lawsuits came about? Why were the plan participants so upset with their administrators? Yeah, well, it's, look, there's a, sort of a never-ending feud, I think, in some cases. You know, you had the Great Recession, and obviously people were upset about that. But, but you know, coming stemming from that as, as one of the basis, you know, you, a, a real common one is is the investment choices. Right, people complained uh, in various forms about investment choices, uh, whether that be it was too limited or there's say sometimes too many they can't understand. I mean, it was kind of all over the place. So you know, really, there's you know, investment choices is one of the big ones uh, that we still uh, see some lawsuits about. Uh, obviously, excessive fees is another. And look, that's a rabbit hole we're not going to go like super deep on, but that, that can be everything from just not not being aware, right? The plan administrator not being aware of what the fees are and that there may be other solutions that are, are better in fees to offer a similar uh, solution oh, to the actual products. I mean, you know, it could be everything from, again, whether it's just a mutual fund product or it's a variable annuity product, uh, are there restrictions are there guarantees are there you know all kinds of limitations like that surrender charges you just have to as an administrator you have to be aware and i think that was one of the big problems coming out of out of that time period of the great recession all and for several years after is, is there just wasn't an awareness right you have to remember these these aren't experts in the financial field and that's what i was going to say like to their credit you have an HR person at a university who goes out there and vets these different firms to add to their, you know, 403B plan. 
and they're not aware of revenue sharing and 12B1 and and they get approached and the providers say, look, you can have this for free. You know, we do everything for you. Right. Here's 100 funds. It's all free. They don't know that on the back, no one does anything for free. So on the back end, where's that money coming from? You know, where's the revenue sharing coming from? And they were ignorant to it all and just signed up. And so I, I think some of the, the blame is um, – yeah, maybe on the providers, you know, that maybe disclose more of where these fees are coming from. But, but my point is, the plan administrators, in this case, you know, the universities, colleges, the, the HR folks, I just they didn't understand how to keep up with the regulation changes or how to how to adjust. Right. Well, and I'll add, I mean, even you know, not, uh, and not that American Funds is a bad company, but just as an example, I went out. It's been a few years since I looked at at their uh, component, you know, R shares. And and just to, to take two minutes and look and and maybe we'll throw that in the show notes at their their table of the different R share iterations, what advisor compensation is, what record keeping costs are, all that stuff. I mean, it, it's like hieroglyphics if you're not paying attention. You know, there's just so many different iterations, and the understanding of what compensation is actually there. Improper share classes is one of the things that is ca- has caused lawsuits in the past. And again, it's not that not that American funds I'm, is bad. It's just it's just an example that they offer no, like I mean, twenty different iterations. Yeah, I don't think it's it's. I totally agree. I don't think it's the administrator's fault completely. I mean, listen, I've done nothing but pick mutual funds for seventeen years, and I pop in there and look at Pimco has like twenty five share classes and everything. I still don't know half the time what share class I'm supposed right. to use. You know, we we have to die now. There's, it's all institutional share classes, but before that. They had one for retirement, A shares, all these. I mean, it's hard to keep up with what the hell they're releasing. Well, and the fact that it's not consistent, right? It's not that there's. I mean, yeah, A share is an A share, pretty much across the board, right? Yeah, but what and about so, these new R shares exactly, and Z shares? Exactly. Share? I mean, an institutional is isn't even an I share necessarily, and God forbid I share becomes a brand name of for BlackRock. <laughs> yeah, I mean, really, I. Personally, I think that was pretty smart. You know, the I the, share, I share. Yeah, exactly. They're the Kleenex of, of the financial industry. All uh, right, so let's let's see this. So what? So these lawsuits all started in 2016, right? right? Yale, Duke, John Hopkins, Vanderbilt, bunch of top places, yeah. Vanderbilt, and then in 2019, uh, earlier this year, they they seem to have hit a wall. Uh, and because the last, I think, five or six were were all dismissed. I think some of the earlier ones had some settlements. But recently, they were all dismissed. Uh, right. The most recent was Georgetown earlier this year. And uh, the judge basically just dismissed all the complaints. And so let's kind of talk, what are some of the reasons why uh, these things got dismissed? Well, I, you know, one of the things I think is interesting is the plan providers have pretty much been considered not fiduciaries. I mean, that that to me is a big and one. And to clarify, to clarify, let's because plan providers in this case is the 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 fidelity and crafts and and vanguards of the world right right which okay. is interesting if you think about it because they're the ones creating the products and yet what it's really saying is that they have no responsibility for the products that they create right it's like so, yeah. I mean it, you know it's uh yeah I, I almost went down a rabbit hole I'm not gonna go down so but anyway that's that's really the point of that particular you know, issue is that the, the, the product providers are not fiduciaries. So what that really means is it goes to the plan administrator, right, to be the decision maker in most of this, right? They have to decide, and therefore, 
they have to understand what it is that they are choosing for the plan participants to invest. So, so what you're saying, I guess, is before or, you know, part of this lawsuit was that the pl- everyone was pointing the finger. So the participants are yelling yeah. at the plan administrators, the plan administrators saying, hey, you know, we're not it's it's fidelity and craft and the plan providers that are doing this we, we right. don't have anything to do with it yeah exactly it's sort of like the plan administrators i think for the most part for years it said you know look they're not going to offer anything to us that isn't valid yeah why well would they, they have why why, why would you assume that a for-profit company is going to always be looking out in your best interest well, now we know, right? If they're not considered fiduciaries, they don't have to. And again, it's not to throw anybody under the bus. It's just this is the way the law is looking at it. So, Okay, and then so one of the things that, that Potomac has utilized for years that we both agree mm-hmm. has really solved the lawsuit problems is the brokerage window. Right. And just a quick explanation on that. The reason that we think it, it solved it is that the plan administrators can now pick a limited handful of funds, right? They can go right. out and say, all right, these are the 10 best funds from large cap, mid cap, small cap, real estate, whatever the asset classes they decide on. And then there's this thing called brokerage window where the client can then choose to open themselves up to a brokerage account with 3,500 funds, but they are on their own and they sign off that they agree that they are using this brokerage window uh, to go find whatever funds they like. Is that right? Yeah, and this is this is where I think, right, everything, you know, can sometimes have a cycle, and you, you get a, a period where, you know, there was a relative, with each vendor, there was maybe a, a relatively limited amount of, of choices, but then over time, you know, those always expand, right? And, well, but wait, there's not, and, and part of this is our, our market, the volume of products that are available, I mean, think about it. Could you, you know, could you get an ETF on water rights? Well, no, not always until a few years ago. So, you know, is there a mutual fund for gold that is in the portfolio? Is there a mutual fund for other precious metals? And I'm picking on those because they're a little bit more uh, unique. But the plans had these expanding lists, and there's a point at which they realize that there's a, a responsibility to monitor those lists. And is it the best gold fund or the best international fund or whatever? Well, that, and, that point was the lawsuits. Right, exactly. And so, <laughs> so I think this is where you and I agree that the, the decision to create something like a brokerage link, and different vendors have different iterations of this, you know, some sort of a self-directed, which is the more common, commonly used term. Uh, brokerage link is specific to Fidelity. But the ability to have one of the investment choices be this open door to go into a much broader pool for those that want to have more freedom in their investment choices. And it shifts and then it shifts the liability right for to the client right. and rightfully so for right. them to decide what they want. Right. But that what that really does is enable the the plan administrator to have a much more narrowly focused list and that's okay. Right. And therefore, their job and their responsibility becomes much smaller because they're not having to try and monitor 100 funds. They, they maybe have like, you know, OK, so here's some target date funds for the really simple. Here's some a few passive active or index or whatever. Right. There's just a handful of, of selections. But oh, by the way, if you really want more and you want to take that on your shoulders here, you can go use brokerage link. And that that's opened and then up the, the added, door for us. The- Exactly. And the other added benefit at that point is that on that brokerage link account, you can then hire a financial exactly. advisor if you want additional services around managing money, asset allocation, and even financial planning, uh, depending on the advi- advisor you choose. So it really right. 
it not only opens the client up to a lot more choice, but it also allows them to hire a professional. And they don't have to. That's the great thing about it. You know, and, and this is where I love where free market works. Listen, there's 10 funds, probably a couple target dates. If that's what you want, knock yourself out. Yep. If you want a brokerage window, it opens it up and it allows you to then hire a professional if you value the service of a professional. And, and that's to entirely up to you. And so the point being, to bring this back around, is that I think this has totally solved any future lawsuits because the, the plan yeah. administrators are going to add this. And we've seen it, right? You've, you and I have seen it. And I know you have an example of where, you know, the states have taken control and, and are sort of forcing this where, you know, we, we want to have that brokerage window, reduce the liability on the plan administrators right. and allow more control for the client. Yeah. And so as an example, so there's two things. One, so 2017, Fidelity actually won a big lawsuit where, and that was part of the, the, the gig we've been discussing, right, where they're not a fiduciary. And in fact, to go even farther, the fact that, that what the, the determination was as everything was dismissed is that brokerage link is just another investment choice. The difference between it and the other choices that the participants have is that it does open up this broader pool. And once they go in that door, that's on them. Um, but the, you know, there, there are states in this process, when you think overall, all these lawsuits and so forth, Ohio, and I'll keep this short, Ohio has made the determination. They spent about two years working with an outside consultant to take all of their four years and two-year colleges and and really sort of clean house, for lack of a better phrase. Right? They're narrowing down the list of vendors available so that they have better control, less likely to get sued. Right? There's going to still going to be multiple vendors, but it gives the participants a much more focused list of places to choose. And in this particular example, Fidelity will be one of them. And so their brokerage link is one of the choices within. And there, so yeah, back to your, your point, right? If, well, if by, by, let me contrast yeah. that. Let me contrast that with, sure. last time I checked, California has 267 vendors. So just to <laughs> contrast that in terms of proving your point there. Yeah, well, it, I mean, it really, it streamli streamlines everything. But, uh, but the, the great part for clients, right? That's what we're all here to do is to help clients. The great piece of this out of this whole process is that now clients have an avenue in which to be able to hire a personal financial advisor who can then work with them to do any number of things, but includes hire an outside manager to who can physically manage the account. And that's just not an option in most of the traditional 403B plans. Yeah. And it's, it's just allowing freedom and allowing the client to decide what's best for them versus someone else deciding for exactly. them. Exactly. Exactly. Okay. So yeah, hopefully this does solve uh, future lawsuits. I, you know, we'll, we'll see how it, how it plays out, but uh, anything yeah. else you got on this topic? Yeah, no, I, I, I think we're, we're good on, on, on this. Um, the, uh, I guess as a parting note, I will say there was a, and I can put this link in, in the show notes, you know, that some of the ERISA notification is all about risk management. So just keep that in mind as you have the opportunity to help clients Right, their, their options are available and should be available from the plan standpoint to be able to help clients mitigate risk. So, yeah, just uh, food for thought. So, recommendations. What do you got? So, I was a vegan for about two and a half weeks. Well, that's and, two and a half um, weeks more than me, bro. And <laughs> I don't know what to say. Like, I, I I didn't have some out of body experience. I wasn't like, you know feeling tremendously different from when I didn't. So I don't know. Fuck it. I'm done with it. So my recommendation this week is 
<laughs> for Arctic char. Have you ever had Arctic? You're not a fish guy, right? You, no, you just no. you barely scratch the surface. Hey, for the record, I got down here to the Gulf, and the first two nights I had mahi mahi and um, oh, what the heck is uh, uh, well now I can't even remember. I had two different kinds of fish in two days. So for me, that's well, that's you got pretty it. impressive. Right. All right, well, and it wasn't here's the deal. I, I'm a I'm a fish snob. I think the majority of Americans are unbelievably horrible at deciding what is considered fish. Tilapia, I wouldn't even <laughs> use as chum, and it's on everyone's menu. Uh, the, the salmon they're producing these days is horrendous. Anyway, I'm not getting into it. But the point is, Arctic char, uh, it, it's like a salmon and, and a trout made a beautiful baby, and it's delicious. And so my recommendation is at, it's usually at Whole Foods, or a fishmonger, you know, they're not going to have it probably at your at your local grocery store. But if you can find it, uh, give it a try. I, th- I think it's I think it's wonderful. It's that's, interesting. That's I haven't even seen that on the menu. So I mean, I, I don't well, remember seeing it's that. It's not. Name. They're not going to yeah. serve. Yeah, they're barely going. They're not going to serve at a restaurant. But it's gotcha. like it, it. If you can get to a fishmonger or even a Whole Foods, it's 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 similarly priced to salmon. It's a, a, f- a freshwater fish. Well, and a saltwater fish. Long story. But the point is, Arctic char. Is, is delicious and everyone should try it and so it's an anti-discriminatory fish is what you're saying yeah exactly all right so uh, all right well i have to carry over from last week you loved my oh, recommendation God, so much don't you loved it. it so much all right and then i'm gonna stop d- going down this road because my uh, i got a different recommendation for our next podcast but uh wait 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 for those people who don't watch the video and just listen to the podcast jeff is a 50 year old white guy go ahead yeah amen so, so my podcast recommendation this week is the movie that's it's a few years old now, but straight out of Compton. I mean, look, I love it. I love it. It's got some of the same people and issues that were in my last recommendation. You know, hey, just got to have some fun, man. It's a good movie, good music. What can I say? Disney Plus came out two days ago. It's a game changer. That's my recommendation every week from here on out. Um <laughs> Did That's you it. did you see my tweet about your your Disney Plus? Yeah, I don't care. I'll spend fifty dollars a month for Disney Plus. <laughs> yeah, well, with and three kids, I won't kids. be able to buy any lattes, and I won't be able to retire, and blah blah blah. Yeah, no, it's all good. All right, hey man, th- uh, we appreciate it. Uh, everybody, like, subscribe, uh, enjoy our podcast. We certainly would love to hear from you on the Connect Us page with PotomacFund.com. And uh, on that note, I guess we're out. See ya. See ya. All opinions expressed by podcast guests are solely their own and do not reflect the opinions of Potomac Fund Management. This podcast is for informational purposes only and should not be relied upon for investment decisions. Clients of Potomac Fund Management may maintain positions and securities discussed in this podcast. 